Here we go, Las Vegas at 12 noon on this Monday, October 25th, 2021. Welcome to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas and streaming all across the Vegas Golden Knights social media platforms. Dan Duva, Gary Lawless with you for the next 56 plus minutes. We'll take you right through one o'clock as the Vegas Golden Knights get ready for a trip to Denver. Take on the Avalanche, take on the Stars the following day. And Gary, it is all in the midst of what is a troubling start to the season for the Knights. They started with a win against the Seattle Kraken in the opener back on October 12th. And boy, that seems pretty distant in the rearview mirror given the Knights have lost their last three and now four with the one last night. And that was a 2-0 loss to the hands of the New York Islanders and goaltender Ilya Sorokin, who has shutouts in consecutive days. It's interesting, you know, if you go, if you look at the, the four losses, they go from from worse to bad. No loss is good, right? So the, the, the L.A. loss was the worst. And then the loss to St. Louis was a little not as not as worse, not as bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, the grammar police are out. Oh no, I, I, no, no, I was I was saying it on purpose. Right. Well, and it, then the loss to Edmonton was uh, again getting closer. And then uh, last night's loss. Last night's loss. When you if you isolate it, take it out of the context of it being the fourth in a row. It's a shrug your shoulders loss. It's this is February and you're a playoff team and the New York Islanders come in um, and Ilias Rokin stands on his head and you outshoot them, outchance them uh, all over the ice all night long, and you have uh, off the top of my head three great A's for Colasar. Right from in close. A great A for Marcia, so mm-hmm. a great A for but just just those five, sure. okay? Uh, and then Leonard called the second goal against the Barzell goal. Uh Barzell comes down the right side, cuts to the net and shot the, it from the bottom of the right circle. Yeah, not much space to to shoot from and not much space to shoot at and manages to get it up over Leonard's shoulder. And Leonard said, my goal, uh, yeah. you know, i got to stop that. Right. And, yeah. So you put all that stuff together, and if you're Pete DeBoer in, you know, in a, in a different context, you're like, hey, you know, I guess we'll tip our cap to them. They won the game, but, you know, we're better. And you probably tell your guys after the game, hey, it's 82 games. Puck luck is a factor. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's remember all the good things we did tonight and – Next time we'll score. The problem is there's $27 million out of the lineup right now in a salary cap of 81.5. So you're over a third. And the other factor, and I know Darren Millard gets the props for this. He dug this up yesterday. 78 goals from last year's 56-game season. Not in the lineup. That's a goal and a half per game. Now, some of my stats friends tell me you can't just say apply that goal and a half to spread it out per game because that's not the way it works because some nights you get five in one night and it's just, you know, more the more precise way is to use the war stat. And uh, if you just take Stone, Pacioretty, and Martinez out of the lineup, you know, their war effect is like eight and a half wins over, over a season. So, 
DeBoer's not going to use any of those excuses, but as Shane Knight, Knight he says, it is reality. Yeah. <laughs> so, so again, the, the, my whole point about last night, so we're going to do little picture and then we'll do big picture. Little picture, yeah, come on. Should have won last night. Yeah. Crap well, happens. Right. And, and you know, and, and Darren Elliott made this point last night, that last goal that Barzell scores comes – just after Leonard made a series of thoroughly impressive saves. Yeah, Leonard said after Leonard said after the game, he said, like, he goes, it's so frustrating. I made nine or ten really good saves. And would you do me a favor and not mention the summer me, Darren Elliott, on that's a Seinfeld reference for you. George Costanza refers to Sorry. It refers to the guy that Jerry goes to camp with. I didn't as, mention on the radio broadcast. The I summer said, me and the other guy goes, ah, the winter me. No, you just on the air, you mentioned uh, your other friend. He could have mentioned it in the hallway of the press box and passed. He sat it. on the radio last night. I no, I didn't. Oh, I, thought I, you I did. did not. Right. I very specifically well, that tells you that. tells you how jealous I am, how worked up I am over this. Uh, turn of events for uh, for those wondering gary will be back in the radio booth for the next two games when the knights yeah. visit the avalanche tomorrow and then the dallas stars the day after that and uh, for several games coming up we should explain to people you know we have a, a, a pretty strong stable of broadcasters right. sidebar for a moment your honor yeah we've got like this great stable of broadcasters with the golden knights from uh from dan and darren millard and dave and shane Darren Elliott, Ashley Vice, and and Darren England is uh, uh, is joining the fold as well. So there are going to be nights where I, I'm doing a little more TV this year, and so Darren is going to have to, you know, there, there'll be times when I won't go on the road, and Darren Elliott will, and part of that going on the road is doing radio. So uh, we want to give him reps So uh, throughout the year. So he did a preseason game. Now he's done a regular season game, and we'll continue to – to have you know, spot duty there. I'll be honest. I don't like not doing the radio. It's uh, you I, miss it. Sure. I, I, I miss it a lot. I found I I'm uh, don't really know what to do with myself when I'm and you're I'm watching the game with Millard from this other uh, vantage point, and I'm used to the com- the comforts of our booth where I've got a TV here, I've got a TV there, I've got Snacks. my computer set up. Well. We have snacks. Don't worry about that. Oh, okay. That. Well, see, I don't uh, get to hang out with the TV people very often. So, anyway, well, you did a couple TV games. In the I was going to say, you know, I, a word has it, Gosher was jealous when I filled in. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure he was. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sure yeah. he just put yeah. his feet up and was watching the Red Sox game at the time. Anyways, that's why you're seeing some uh, a different um, deployment of broadcasters. There you have it. For, for, for time to time. And I also think it's really good for, for the viewer and the listener yeah. to have all all of these different voices. Darren Elliott has a perspective, having been uh, a goaltender in the National Hockey League and a longtime national broadcaster, uh, going back to the Versus days uh, and ESPN, I believe. And Westwood well. One, yeah, did uh-huh. Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like uh, he's uh, top notch. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, and uh, and. This program, Nighttime at Noon, will feature a circulating cast yes. of characters, yeah. and it just so happens the roulette wheel landed on Gary and Dan for today. It is Nighttime at Noon. It's 12.07 on this Monday as the Knights begin a new week, still with just one win in their first handful of games, and they'll play Game 6 tomorrow in Colorado, Game 7 Wednesday in Dallas, back home for Friday against the Ducks, and then that four-game trip, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and Detroit. So the Knights are 1-4 and four to start the season. 
And we touched on the, the injuries, and we'll get into a little bit of, you know, how the Knights have filled in with some of those youngsters filling those roles. And I, I guess, Gary, that's where my thought goes next, because unlike previous few seasons where you kind of had the team and maybe a young guy was in the vicinity of cracking the lineup, I think of Cody Glass, you know, and, you know, how is he going to fit in? Zach Whitecloud, Nick Hague, you know, the, there were rarely more than one at a time. And now it looks like on a regular basis, someone's making an NHL debut. I mean, yesterday you had Nolan Patrick scratched late. So back in goes Jake LeCision, his third NHL game. Daniil Miramanoff makes his NHL debut. And Greb seems like the wily old veteran because he's now played last year the four games and now this year the five games in the NHL. Yeah, this is uh, uh, when you have six regulars out of the lineup. This is what happens. You get uh, and listen. I, you know, I, I didn't want to see Daniil Miramanoff at the expense of Zach Whitecloud not being able to play or Alec Martinez. But did I want to see Miramanoff? Absolutely. Uh, and I wanted to see Coglin. Um, that Coglin was pretty good against the Oilers. Uh, you know, was okay uh, against the Islanders. I thought Miramanoff was excellent. And there's all this talk about uh, the defensive side of his game. It's only one game, but I thought he added offense and was not um, defensively deficient at all. I thought I, I thought Miramanov was excellent. I would have liked to have seen actually would like to have seen more of him last night. And uh, you know, and the power play is uh, goalless, uh, o for the season. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen him get. Uh, uh, get some some longer looks on the power play as well. Well, let's talk about Miramanov since you bring him yeah. up. As as it seems on a regular basis, we're spending time introducing a new player to the Golden Knights fan base, and that's fun. As you say, it, it's not exactly what management had in mind given the number of injuries. But Miramanov, who is 24 years old from Russia, had played a few years in the Quebec Major Junior League. So. Not the first time you've seen a Russian come over and play North American junior hockey, especially in the queue. Hey, Nikita Kucherov came over and played briefly in junior hockey here in North America. But point is, he then played in the ECHL, but then went back overseas. In his junior career, they switched him from a forward to a defenseman. And how it's unfolded here, Gary, and coming back to North America and with the Golden Knights organization, few games Henderson last year, preseason, eye-popping preseason for the Golden Knights, with three goals in two games. So th there's the, the Reader's Digest version. What about this story from Miramanov is most intriguing for you? Well, Kelly McCrimmon always uses the expression, everybody runs their own race. And, uh, you know, not, uh, not a high draft pick that... Uh, you know that gets slid right in to the to an NHL organization and groomed and brought up. He was, uh, um, you know, a, a young guy who wanted to come over to North America to play. Played in the Quebec League. Igor Larionov. He Miramanov went to Detroit one summer as a teenager to train under Larionov. And halfway through whatever they were doing, Larionov said to him, "You're a defenseman." You should play defense. And that's when he made the switch. It went back to uh, that the, he, he played for a while uh, at a Katie Bathurst in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And then he went to Moncton and played as a defenseman in Moncton. And then went to the KHL for a while. Well, it was at an ECHL season. ECHL. Yeah, and then then, then yep. to the KHL. And so 
two people in the Golden Knights organization had eyes on him at different times. Uh, Raphael Pouliot, who is uh, uh, the amateur scout for the Golden Knights in, in the Quebec League, his dad coached Miramanoff out of Katie Bathurst. So Raph had a look at him when he was younger, and then obviously saw him when he was in Moncton too. But then when Miramanoff went to the KHL, Alex Kadinyuk, who is the pro scout for the Vegas Golden Knights or in Russia, he looked at him and said, hey, Von Karpin, let's have a closer look at this guy. They looked at him again. They signed him as a free agent last March, came and played a few games in Henderson. Uh, he's a fascinating guy. He came early, so he speaks English very well already. Now they've got two other Russian kids. Dorofayev? Got it. <laughs> Depends what show you're on. <laughs> Dorofayev and Marushev, they are raw. They have they have not spent much time in North America. They don't speak English very well. They don't understand North American life yet. They're learning. Mm-hmm. He kind of, when he's with them in Henderson, he's like the big brother. Uh, drags them around, and uh, uh, they they all they're all taking. Uh, I've got a tutor. They're all taking English lessons together. So he's a leader, and. Just a six four, long stick, can really skate. Uh, is aggressive when he's on the ice. He is interested in getting the puck wherever it is and getting it towards the opposition net. Which is, uh, I, I'll be honest with you, a little bit of a man crush on Miro. <laughs> I love the way he plays, and I and I'm really interested to see. Where he goes, yeah, I think he could be, I think he could be a star, yeah, in the NHL. He's affable too. You, you touch on oh, yeah. the adapting to North America, and you know, just to put this in, you know, time frame. His first year playing in the queue was 2015. So that's six years ago, where he was essentially over here full time. And as you mentioned, went back, and it's been a crazy couple of years, as we know. But you spend a full year in the ECHL. He was the eighth highest scoring defenseman in the ECHL. But he only played 49 games. Yeah. He was second in points per game by defenseman. Now, we're talking 18-19. So it's a couple years ago. That's before the pandemic. Then everything goes crazy. Talk about going to the KHL. And so now he's back here. I didn't really know much about him. We've learned about him in the last couple of weeks. So when the team played in Salt Lake City against the Kings in preseason, I went up and introduced myself to him as the team was arriving. You kind of look around the rink. You haven't been there before. And I started to ask him how to say his name. And, you know, in the broadcasting business, it's something that you do, especially for a new player. And we have to ask that question. And you'd like to get it from, in this case, the horse's mouth, right? How does a player uh, pronounce his name? When you introduce yourself, how do you pronounce your name? So uh, he says, like, without hesitation, as if he's been asked this question a bunch of times before, uh, it's like you're saying mirror. And then you interrupt yourself and you say, man, off. Mirror man off. Well, that's pretty simple. Like, I didn't come up with that explanation no. to tell you or Dave or Shay. That's what Daniil said to me. So he, he's got a, a worldliness about him. And then even Zach Whitecloud said the other day when he was, you know, the up-and-coming guy, he didn't want to speak up very much. You know, you're trying to find your space in the yeah. room. You don't want to talk as a young guy. But. Daniil's just, he's talking with everybody, very chatty, gets well, along. He's been in a KHL dressing room, has which is 
they're men, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? This is not uh, – he's a rookie. He's not. He's, yeah. And he's he, 24. Yeah. He's a man, knows uh, – has confidence in himself uh, on the ice, off the ice, So, uh, uh, which is, you know, a really a good thing for him. Yeah, we saw him in the preseason, those few goals, splash in the preseason. We've seen that before. There was a hat-trick in the first game in Golden Knights history. Tyler Wong never played a game yeah. in the Vegas Golden Knights, yeah. right? Just because you have a splash there doesn't mean it's going to be something. You saw him play in Henderson, Gary, in just a couple of games. What did you see in Henderson that built upon what you saw in the preseason? Well, he he was dominant, and uh, this is one of the things you hear from, uh, from, from NHL uh, executives. You want the player to be dominant at at all his levels. So when you first get to junior or college, might take you a year to get your uh, you get your bearings. But at some point in time, you need to be the best player on your team or one of the best players on your team and dominant. And then you go to the American League. Same thing. Yeah. And then once you're dominant there, then you come to the NHL and hopefully you can be dominant in the NHL. Well, so we, Miramanoff dominant in the American Hockey League, the games I saw him play. So, uh, um, listen, we'll see injuries, contracts, lots of things have to shake out. You know, is he going back to Henderson? Probably at some point in time, but not for long. Like, Daniel Miramanoff is going to be an NHL regular really fast, mm -hmm. really fast. So, we're talking to Daniel Miramanoff. The question now will become, how does that unfold with injuries to Alec Martinez, to Zach Whitecloud, Dylan Coglin actually playing as a defenseman the last couple of games after playing about four minutes as a forward in the opener. How does this all shake out? What are the right combinations here? Alex Petrangelo still has no points on the season. You know, of something that really hasn't been talked about. All the injuries, sure. Um, the new players, sure. But uh, Alex Petrangelo has no points through five games. And if there's a surprise, um, I think that that might be near the top of the list for me, given the way he finished last year and the start of the preseason this year. So we'll figure out some of those things. We'll talk through it as we talk to you from City National Arena. Uh, City National Arena. Boy, oh boy, that's the name of the place. That's what happens when you do a bunch of games in a short period of time. The Knights will play in Denver tomorrow, and then they'll take on the stars the day after that you're listening to nighttime at noon on fox sports las vegas
It is nighttime at noon. It is 12.22 on this Monday, the 25th. Dan Duva, Gary Lawless with you here at City National Arena, Studio 31. Beautiful outside. A little cloudy today. A little cloudy. I'm going to guess that's not a live shot, though. Just a guess. If you're watching on our video stream, you can watch us on Twitter and Facebook. And how many different channels online do we have? Four different places, not to mention on the radio, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Let's give you a, a quick update on the Vegas Nighthawks family. You can become part of that family and secure your seat selection by placing a refundable $20 deposit, and the website to visit is nighthawksfootball.com. Full season will start at just $10 per ticket per game at the brand-new Dollar Loan Center located in Henderson. I'm just talking with some of the Nighthawk folks. There's going to be a tryout and everything. They're Players flying in, and then they've got to cut the roster down. It's, it's, I love the logo, too. Logo's great. Coach is great, Mike Davis. Uh, yeah. We talked to Mike a little bit last week. Well, I've, I've known of Mike for a long time. Yep. He is a, a CFL guy, has, as am I. He spent some time coaching in uh, Saskatchewan and Toronto. Had an Argos bag. He was carrying it around the other day. My great cup ring is, uh, is from my time with the Argos. There you have it. See, yes. you, you, just when you didn't expect the CFL would make an appearance on the broadcast, there it is. Blue Bombers have clinched. They're uh, hosting the Western Final December 5th. Oh, there's the newsflash for there the program go. today. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> That's for Dave Gosher. <laughs> Dave loves to make fun of me when I talk about the CFL. Oh, it's, it's good. Uh, we could r- ramble on in that category, but let's turn our attention to the Knights. We were talking about the defenseman, Mir Madoff, getting his NHL debut, took the, the hot lap uh, just as the warm-ups began. That's always fun to see. No points in his first game, obviously, with the Knights getting shut out by the Islanders 2-0. Dylan Coglin played with Shea Theodore for a while. McNabb played with Mir Madoff for a while. Haig with Petrangelo, but throughout the night, it seemed that the defensive pairs were being uh, swapped around, and Petrangelo was going to play a lot. Theodore was going to play a lot with the Knights needing some offense. So that's on the defensive side of things. I, I'm inclined, Gary, to wonder how the Knights lineup will look in Denver tomorrow, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I think it's also worth taking a step back here because the Knights are 1-4. and four. There are two winless teams in the NHL, but they are not teams that you would expect to be in the conversation for a Stanley Cup run so where do you see this in in the big picture of things given that the knights are one and four through their first five well it's not good you know what i mean like nobody would be happy a, a, about the record you want the team to uh to be off to a better start and be putting points in the bank robin leonard's had to play every game so far i, I don't think that's by design i think that they would have liked to have had uh Brassois in in net at this point in time, I imagine he's going to play one of these two games in either uh, in either Denver or Dallas. So we'll see what Pete DeBoer and Mike Rosati have uh, up their sleeve in that regard. You know, we already talked about it. There's six players out of the lineup that are all regulars. They represent about uh, almost thirty million in 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 salary cap. They met. They they represent. You know, 78 goals from last year's regular season, which was 56 games. That's, you know, a goal and a half a game from that from that group. It's a lot of offense. And again, when you go back to this last game, they played very well in, in many ways, except for uh, they weren't able to, to put the puck in the net. So, you know, like no one's getting fired. It's No one's getting 
there's not going to be a big trade to shake up the to save the lineup at this point in time. Right. It's going to require- if there's a trade, it's not because that's no. the reason. No, if there's a trade, it's because this team wants to win the Stanley Cup, and they they figure out they figure they have a there's an opportunity to make themselves right. better uh, for for later on in the season. Now too would be fine, uh, obviously. Uh, you know, Alex Tuck's not coming back till January. Uh, Stone and and Pacioretty are, you know, they they appear to be long term. Uh, what? How does DeBoer term Stone? Well, it, it's I mean, there hasn't between, been as much clarity. Yeah, in between day to day and week to week, is that what he says about yeah, Stone? Yeah, and and with Pacioretty, it was a little bit more concrete, where they said six weeks, yeah. and so that would bring you back November 11th, given the the time frame. Stone, there wasn't as much of a concrete answer. So we've seen it where a guy at one point was considered day to day. And that turned out to be more like week to weeks. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's the human body. You don't know how quickly someone will heal. And sometimes you've got an injury that one treatment they think is suitable, but it turns out, you know, they need to do something else. So it's it's far above our pay grade. Yeah, here's what I would say, I guess. Uh, at the end of the day, for me, this is a this is a blip. This is this is a bump in the road. And I actually think there are positives to be taken from this situation. I think this is what they're going through right now is humbling, and I, I never think that's a, a bad thing. I think it re- will give mm-hmm. players a reminder of how thin the margin in the National Hockey League is between wins and losses and how hard you have to work on a, on a regular basis to win. I also think they're not going to score easy right now. Like the guys that kind of that, that have – magic out there they're they're not playing they're hurt except for the misfit line i think that and to me this is something that we've watched unfold before us for a while this team doesn't score hard goals it doesn't score greasy goals the goal that josh bailey scored yesterday to start scoring for the others the winning goal vegas doesn't score that goal very often that's not uh it's not in their repertoire well maybe now you're forced to say, like, like the Islanders were on a mission. They looked like Minnesota, uh, the way they blocked out the slot. You, you didn't have everything else on the ice, guys. This here, this rectangle around the net, the blue ice and out, uh-uh. The, the block shots, 10 in the first period alone yesterday. Like, they just got in the way of everything. And if you just keep flinging the puck yep. from the from the edge of that, it's uh, you're not going to be able to, to to create anything. So what do you have to do? You have to get to that blue ice. And and if this can be used as an opportunity to to grow in that regard, to me that's positive. And uh, if I'm Keaton Colasar, I'm 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 looking at the film from yesterday's game and saying I've got to find a way to score from in tight like that because I'm one of the guys that can get there. When I get there, I've got to convert. And Riley Smith, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I just, I I mentioned this last night, and it's, I recognize that this analogy is oversimplifying it. But in a basketball framework, if you think about a team that shoots the three that can't get inside, 
well, a, a defense will say, well, you take the three. Uh, we don't think you can hit the three, yeah. so you can take those threes all day. You're only going to be able to score if you can get inside, and we think we can defend you inside. You know, there's a football analogy to be made there about throwing the long ball yeah. and defending it on it. Like, so there, there's, again, a, a way of looking at this, given the way that the Islanders played, that Colasar did get a few chances, couldn't bury them. Then you come back to, well, Sorokin's been fantastic. The reality is, as much as the team wants to say, hey, we're going to play our game every night, if that was 100% true, they wouldn't look at video of the other teams, right? No, There's a yeah. scouting report. The reality is different teams play different ways, and you're going to succeed based on how the other team is structured and what the other teams do. That's why well, they have video sessions. So uh, to, to, to put a finer point on it, Pete DeBoer said after the loss to the Dallas Stars, we've got to find a way to teach our group how to score in different ways. He's talking about, from the slot. Yeah. And the other th side of it is that the Knights couldn't score from those areas against the Islanders. But if you go back to the previous game against Edmonton, two of the goals were tipping goals. You know, the, the Knights spent a lot of time on those tips. But if the tips aren't coming, right, and, and you know, sometimes you, you get goals that way. Power play is a big part of that. No power play goals yet. But it's, it's harder to rely upon getting tip-in goals. Uh -huh. And any sort of regularity. Sure, you get two in one game, but those are, I think, the only two real tipping goals of the season. They tried it a bunch of times. It doesn't always work. Thought that I had this morning, Gary, reading an article about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Did you see their championship rings this year? I did. And did you see one of the engravings that was on the Lightning Stanley Cup? I saw BS number one. That was on there, <laughs> but that's not the one that caught my attention. It was a phrase that has been um, offered by Pete DeBoer similarly. Uh, the, the phrase on the Stanley Cup ring for the Lightning is process over outcome. Yeah. And Pete DeBoer has been saying for several days, I think ever since game two when the Knights lost and the injuries occurred, that it would be process over results. And that, it seemed to me at the time, was almost preparing for the possibility of the team not winning knowing the significance of the players who were out and that this period of time had to be used for figuring out who could play with who, who could really play, and perhaps finding different combinations of players. And I'd be interested in, in your thoughts about that, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll regroup after a break. Well, Pete DeBoer watched his team lose in the semifinals two years in a row. Pete DeBoer is a smart guy. He realizes the same thing isn't going to work. So he's looking for different things. So they have tweaked the, some systems. They've tweaked some ways. We watched it last week, Dan. He coached all last week. It was not him standing out at center ice and watching his assistants put his team through its paces. It was Pete DeBoer running the drills, stopping the drills, pointing out you're supposed to be here, you're supposed to be there, do this in that situation. The pure definition of coaching. He was coaching last week, teaching and coaching. That's right. So, and there's no, we've been around Pete downstairs, and he's Pete. He, there's been no change in him. You know, when the camera's not on, uh, he walks by, you know, teases us a little bit, you know, flipped the collar up on my suit jacket the other day. and saw, <laughs> I don't get to do that. Well, he saw that my name was on it, and then he goes, huh, you didn't buy that suit in Winnipeg. It was quite funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's very smart, and not only smart in a hockey way, 
and in managing people, but in managing the expectations of what the the team is at this point in time and trying to get the most out of it, given who's available right now without making it seem like the sky is falling because you know about leadership, Gary, and it's not just a a coach in sports or a, uh, a captain on a team. The person in charge, even if that person is scared to death, can't look like he's scared to death, or at the other end is just thrilled to the moon, can't look thrilled to the moon. Whatever happens, it trickles down, right? You have to have that, again, cliche, but it's an even keel no matter what's really going on. The other sort of reality here is that no team is in the NHL just goes through life winning you know 60 games a year every year like it there are bumps in the road there are injuries there are personnel changes there are adjustments this is just uh you know we've been so spoiled here right all we've seen is the team go out and win yeah well now uh, they're facing a little adversity and season two they started one and four as well right yeah and then had a three-game winning streak after that (laughs) so who knows all right we'll step aside You're watching and listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
12.38 Pacific time on this Monday afternoon. Dan Duva, Gary Lawless from Studio 31 at City National Arena. Glad you could join us today. Well, Golden Knights fans tuning in, you are probably aware there's another hockey team in town. It's the Henderson Silver Knights of the American Hockey League. We've been talking about some of those HSK alumni getting up with the Golden Knights. Single game group and mini suite tickets for home games are available during the 21-22 season. You can contact the Silver Knights ticketing team at 702-645-4259. Again, the number is 702-645-4259 or visit hendersonsilvernights.com. Henderson having played its last couple of games up in British Columbia and then coming back home. Well, Gary, just a step away from the Golden Knights world, there are some other interesting stories involving a couple of players um, elsewhere uh, I wanted to, to touch on. I'll give you the floor. Where do you want to go in, in starting a couple of these discussions? Well, I watched Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday, and Elliot Friedman, uh, uh, who has been all over this Jack Eichel story, he said that in the next couple of weeks, uh, if there isn't resolution, so just we'll, we'll just stop here for a second. Jack Eichel has a, a an injury uh, to his neck, which he received playing hockey, uh, and um, has not played since uh, he was shut down last season. Um, he wants to have uh, disc replacement surgery. The Buffalo Sabers want him to have uh, a fusion done, where so so you know you have uh, one vertebrae is damaged, and you take the one above it and the one below it, and you fuse the three of them together, and it um, it you know it would allow him conceivably to play again at some point in time. It does you know begin the course of restricted mobility and most often once you have one of these uh if you live long enough uh for uh, the pressure on the other vertebrae once you fuse those ones the pressure on the other ones increases and then a doctor says to you a little while down the road maybe 10 years well we need to do another fusion and then 10 years after that we need to do another fusion and pretty soon you're in a situation where you uh um, can't really turn your head or move it up or down. Right, and so that's uh, the fusion surgery. Yeah. It's not a fix-all for life. It's something that the Sabres want so that Eichel can be effective now, but exactly. there could be long-term ramifications, yeah. and Jack doesn't want that. No, and, and I, I listen, going back to Elliot Friedman, he interviewed Eichel's doctor of choice who wants to give him the, the disc replacement surgery. Elliot and Jeff Merrick interviewed him in the summer on their podcast, uh, it was 31 thoughts then. It's now 32 thoughts because right, there's 32, 32 teams. teams. And the doctor said, you know, uh, he's done this disc replacement surgery to a number of MMA fighters. Um, it's been done in the NFL. It's been done in uh, in rugby, in uh, you know where the All Blacks play. I don't know what those leagues are called, but uh, high-end rugby, you know, mm-hmm. uh, physical sports, it's never been done in hockey. Right. It's ne- everybody keeps pointing out it's never been done on an NHL player. Yeah. But it's been done on other athletes. Oh, for sure. And 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 that whole argument. Well, at one point in time, arthroscopic surgery had never been done to an NHL player's knee. Yeah. Do we want it? Do we want everybody to be Bobby Orr, right, where they on. butcher the knee uh, until the guy can't play anymore? Right. You know, Think like there's how many careers a, have been saved advancements right. in surgery. And the one thing that the doctor says that's really fascinating is he's like, look. Let us give Jack the disc replacement surgery. If it doesn't work, 
then we'll fuse them then anyways. Like, you know, I mean, I have an agent said to me the other day, he goes, you know, he should retire. Like if he's if they're talking about a fusion, the, like the ramifications for the rest of the player's life. And the doctor says this in the he says, my job is to make sure that Jack can pick up his grandchild when he's 55. And this doctor doesn't believe he'll be able to. If because if you get one, he fusion, gets the fusion you're getting other ones. It's that's that's right. that's the road you're going down. So Eichel now has been without care uh, for well, you're going back to last season. So we're talking about almost six months or or or, or six months. So if there's been something wrong with him that hasn't been fixed. Like that's not good either. No. So uh, he wants the Sabers to let him have the care he wants. They don't want to do that. He wants to be traded. They want to trade him, but it's really hard to trade a player who needs a surgery, not knowing how he's going to come out of that surgery. Like there's all kinds of right. of issues, and there. that's where Brisson has come in. That Eichel changed agents, yeah. and that maybe be worked a couple of things where teams all of a sudden were given a little bit more information. Is that yeah? I, I think Pat did a Pat Brisson, who's uh, the agent for Eichel, and uh, he's Jonathan Marchessault's agent. I'm guessing he's Brendan Brisson's agent too. <laughs> right. He's Brendan's dad, so, uh, Golden probably, prospect. Probably makes sense that yeah. he's uh, looking after the contractual uh, uh, um, issues for his son. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think he got a little bit more. Uh, information in the hands of other teams. The problem is, he, he, wh- what is Jack Eichel? Is is he the guy? First of all, as a team, are you? And the other issue here is that in the last collective bargaining agreement, the the league side they put in a clause. They snuck in a clause that gives the teams uh, the last word on treatment. It never right. used to never used to be in the CBA, and you know most teams don't sort of insist on you got to have that. It, you know what I mean? Look, if you come in and you've got a broken hand, and you come in and you say, "Hey, we're gonna rub uh, herbs on my hand, uh, <laughs> and it, it's gonna make me better." Holistic um, approach. The the team will the probably fracture. say, "No, um, we're gonna." have surgery and put a cast on yeah, it right. and then you're going to do rehab and you're, right. then you're going to play again, you know? Uh, but for the most part, you know, an athlete comes in and says, I'm hurt. He goes to the team doctor. The team doctor says, this is what you should do. And that's usually, that's usually where it goes. Sometimes a guy will say, you know what? I've got my own doctor. I want him to look at it. So anyways, Friedman said on Saturday night, Eichel is now at the point where if there isn't some resolution in the next seven to 14 days, He's going to grieve it. So then he'll go to the Players Association. Well, they've been talking for months, so they already know. Uh, I would imagine the grievance is already written, and it's just a point of Jack telling them, file it. On the other side, the league knows that the Players Association is putting together this grievance, and so they'll be work- their lawyers will be working. So it'll go to an arbitrator. The arbitrator will look at both sides and say, this is what's going to happen. And then, uh, you know, could, could it if Jack doesn't like what he's here, could he take it to a higher court? Yes. If the Sabres don't like what they hear, could they take it to a higher court? Yes. But in the confines of of the NHL and those decisions, like like no one can tell Jack Eichel to get a neck fusion. He can, he'll just go, okay, I retire. 
I'm not playing. Right. And the Buffalo Sabres are on the hook for, I think it's $10 million a year, and I think after this year, there's four left. So right. And he can't unretire and then sign with another team. Ask Ilya Kovalchuk about that. It was uh, you know devil's property. He would stay Buffalo property. Otherwise, everybody yeah. would just retire and sign with another yeah. team. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so just quickly, Gary, recapping. If there's not a trade in the next week or two, well, there's going to be agreements. Well, or the Sabers could could phone Jack tomorrow and say, "Fine, get your disc replacement." Okay, injury. that's a good third. Go option. ahead. You know, what I mean, that, that, like that's that. probably the best option of all because then you know he gets it, he gets healthy. I don't know if he ever plays for them in a jersey again. They well, tore the thing, they right? tore the C off his jersey right, already. The relationship, talk about yeah, it's, it's not in a good place. But you know, what I mean, listen, maybe that could be. The first olive branch to never say never, right? Yep. How many times did Billy Martin get fired yeah. by Steinbrenner? Right. Uh, yeah, I've lost count. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, real quick, there's one other story I wanted you to touch on before we take our break. Uh, Colin Wilson, he wrote a uh, longtime uh, player with the National Predators. I think he finished up uh, in 2018 with the Colorado Avalanche. He wrote a, a Players Tribune piece last year, talking about how he had ODC and how it really affected him and. And, you know, was a big issue in his career. Um, on the heels of Jimmy Hayes' death and the family coming out and saying that there was uh, cocaine and fentanyl in Jimmy's uh, uh, tox report, tox toxology reports uh, that came after uh, the, the autopsy performed on him, uh, Colin has now come out and said, you know what? Uh, I need to share more. And he wrote a Players' Tribune piece. It's out there today. And it talks about uh, how he was given Ambien, uh, at a, you know, when he was 20. And that, uh, you know, led him down one road. And then he, you know, alcohol and, and, and marijuana and cocaine and uh, all all these other things followed. And, uh, you know, it uh, was a big part of uh of his career he calls himself an addict and says he's been sober for for two and a half years so uh, uh a real good read and uh um uh bravo to colin wilson for the courage to share and he says the reason i'm doing this is we've got a mental health and opioid crisis uh, right now that is massive and we need to we need to start talking about it yeah and, and it's a conversation that uh, ought to continue we have a uh, limited time here but if you've got some time to read that about colin wilson and also to read about jimmy hayes and um, his father's comments as well because his father said I, I knew that there could be something wrong because i myself was an addict jimmy hayes father said with that we will step away when we come back we'll try to get you our thoughts on what a lineup might look like tomorrow when the Knights take on the Avalanche. It's nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
12.52 on Monday the 25th. Dan Duva, Gary Lawless with you from Studio 31 at City National Arena. It's nighttime at noon. Well, a spectacular Hotel Californian in Santa Barbara, California. It's where Gary hangs out all the time. It's the newest exciting addition to the Foley Entertainment Group. Experience an extraordinary stay in one of 121 luxury guest rooms and suites. Taste the region's finest wine at Foley Food and Wine Society Tasting Room. That's where I would go. And treat yourself to unparalleled massage at Majorelle, the Moroccan-inspired spa, all in the heart of the American Riviera. Oh, this is fantastic. Designed for the domestic and international guests alike, Hotel Californian is the perfect destination for any traveler seeking a -a one-of-a-kind luxury experience. Hotel Californian is Santa Barbara's premier urban destination. It is right there in the middle of Santa Barbara. You could visit online hotelcalifornian.com to book your stay today. Again, it's hotelcalifornian.com to book your stay. Gary's already making his plans as we wrap up nighttime at noon. I read I read Ken Stabler's uh, biography a long time ago and uh, of course he played at Alabama and he hung out there in the Gulf Shores. He called it the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> Down over there in Alabama. That's what Ken called it, this not me. A little, 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 bit little different. different. There, there's a town <laughs> more in, yachts than speedboats. Yeah, there, there, there's a town in New Jersey called Spring Lake. They call it the Irish Riviera with all the uh, the Irish bars and shops. And I'd stuff like to go it. there. Very, very nice. Yeah. Let's Gary take a stab at what you'd like to see from the Golden Knights lineup tomorrow, assuming <laughs> that the personnel available tomorrow is yeah. the same as it was last night. Well, that's qualified. That's not what I would like to to do. But they, you know, they've lost four, three in a row, four right. in a row. Uh, they didn't score in the last game. Goals are hard to come by. So, you know, if Pete DeBoer said to me, okay, Gary, uh, here's the blender. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, that will never happen. And right. if Pete's driving uh, uh, to the plane right now, by the time I get to the plane, he's going to tell me why I'm wrong about these combinations. But here we go for fun. Left to right, Stevenson, Carlson, Yanmark. Stevenson, Carlson, Yanmark. So you've yep. already broken up the misfit line. Okay. Yeah, I, I, we need goals, yep. right? Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. And just... they were good last night. Puck didn't drop for yep. them. Just offering some confidence. Uh, yep. Dodonov and Kolasar have been really effective. Uh, and and when Waugh got moved in there, when Patrick got hurt, that was that was Vegas's best line last night. So okay. uh, I'm go- I'll leave those guys alone. I'm going to put Peyton Krebs in the middle. With Marcheseau and Smith, mm. uh, Smith will um, be the two-way guy with speed and get to the net. Marcheseau is a finisher, uh, and Krebs is a disher. I, I, I'd like to see those guys together. And then uh, the fourth line, I actually liked the fourth line last night. Howden in between Carrier and Lecision. I like Lecision's game as well. The the blue line. Um, you know, I think there was a couple of different variations. Uh, Hag and, uh, but I would, I'd go Hag with uh, with Petrangelo, Theodore with Miramanoff, and then uh, McNabb and Coglin. Okay, so a little more dynamic Theodore and Miramanoff together. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to Theodore and Coglin together, which is how it started yesterday. I, I think that they were worried about Miramanoff's uh, the defensive side of his game, and then they watched for a little while, and they're like, no, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, Krebs and Wah a couple of games ago had something. I wonder if they find themselves on a line again. You've put Krebs in the middle, and you've broken up the misfit line. I'm very intrigued by what you've put together. It's not how I would have thought about it, but I'm intrigued by some of these Well, things. you asked me before the last break to 
put together a lineup. So I did it with uh, all the thought of uh, of your Foley family wine read, your Californian read, and the the commercials from the fine folks at. Uh, at Fox Sports, well, Las yeah, Vegas. Well, it's it's interesting and it's all for fun because uh, the head coach gets to decide these things, and we'll find out yeah. when warmups take place. Shane likes to uh, pillory my uh, my my lineup ideas ideas as well. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see if he brings. We're that going to right to the television plane. So Shane will have something to tell me at the plane. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Well, very good. Well, that is Tuesday as the Knights take on the Avalanche, then Wednesday in Dallas. Big thanks to everybody who made today's broadcast possible. Dakota, Will, Floyd, and Brian back in the studio for Gary Lawless, Dan Duva saying so long from City National Arena. This has been Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas.